Hi there, and welcome to God on the Ground. This is where we grab a tour guide and work our way through a Bible bamboozler, take a dose of doctrine, and greet dead good dead guys, all to help us figure out what God means for us in real life. Meet your guide. We start the show with Meet Your Guide, where we get to know our guest before grilling them on the topic. Today our guest is Dr. Andrew Errington, who is the Academic Dean and a lecturer in Theology at St. Mark's National Theological Centre down in Canberra, and also an adjunct lecturer at Charles Sturt University. Now Andrew, we'd love to get to know you a little bit as a person and as a Christian, as well as a guide for our topic today. So could you introduce yourself a little bit and a little bit of your Christian story? Sure. Well, thanks, Alex, and thanks for having me on. Yes, so as you said, I'm I'm currently at St. Mark's National Theological Centre where I mostly teach theology, so I lecture in um, theology and also help run the organisation and look after our vocational training. I've been here for about two, two and a half years now. I'll just work backwards. Before that, I was in the UK studying for a PhD, um, which you'll probably hear a bit more about. Um, we lived there for three years in Aberdeen. And before that, I worked in churches in Sydney mainly. And, and going back further than that, you know, did other jobs and things and it, it all gets a bit dull. But I'm uh, married to uh, Lauren and we have three children. Uh, my wife's a social worker and family therapist, so we're always trying to be anchored in the realities of uh, people's lives and relationships in a range of ways. Uh, I became a Christian. Well, I've been a Christian actually really as long as I can remember, but journeyed into that in a kind of gradual way more and more. And uh, in my teenage years, really started to take my faith seriously and ask ask a lot of questions about it and work out whether I could really believe it. And then as I kind of got to the end of high school and got into university, some difficult things happened in my life and in, in my family uh, growing up. And uh, I really decided to keep trusting God and rolled with it. Now, as you mentioned, you've been in Aberdeen, you've been doing a PhD on this concept of wisdom and the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. The result of that, among other things, has been a book, a book called Every Good Path, Wisdom and Practical Reason in Christian Ethics and the Book of Proverbs. We won't be going into all of the details of that today, but we are skimming through some of the insight that you've gained along the way as we think about good paths, about Proverbs and how we should think about wisdom. Bible Bamboozlers. Today it's a Bible bamboozler where we try to make sense of a biblical passage or theme that's puzzling, peculiar, or just plain unfamiliar. I wonder what you think of when you think of wisdom. For me, it's Gandalf and Dumbledore, these learned old guys who can just see things better and navigate situations better than anyone else. Wisdom is what those guys have, a kind of quality people can possess, and Proverbs is a book meant to give us that quality. But Andrew, am I right in saying that there's a different place we should start our thinking about wisdom or a, a different framework for understanding wisdom? I think you are right that that's not necessarily the way the Bible thinks about wisdom. I think we, we assume we know what wisdom means and we do know something about what it means, but when we're really pressed to think about it more deeply, it's a bit harder to talk about than we often think. 
one of the tricky things about wisdom is is working out what it means for people to have wisdom or to possess wisdom. Um, because as soon as you start to think about it, actually, it, wisdom stops being kind of an ability and starts to be quite concrete. Wisdom is about knowing how to act well uh, in the world, not just about knowledge. Somebody who is, just knows things but but doesn't have a lot of what we call common sense, we wouldn't normally call mm. a person like that wise. Wisdom does have something to do with how we act, and it has to do with the ability to act well. And acting well actually involves knowing what the right things to do are. And when you stop and think about that for a bit, you start to realize that wisdom actually has a lot to do with the way the world is. Uh, It has to do with the kind of world we live in and the kind of things that work and the kind of things that don't work. This is really easy to see with the language, the kind of flip side of the language of wisdom, which is the language of foolishness. We use language of foolishness or folly uh, when people are are making mistakes that will have serious consequences. So somebody who's using a chainsaw one-handed and holding the thing they're cutting in the other hand, we'd call them foolish. So we're not just talking about intellectual lack of knowledge, but something much more practical. Wisdom is certainly a practical concept, and in the Bible it's certainly a practical concept. But it's it's also not just practical, it's got to do with the kind of world we live in. And I think this partly because this is the way the book of Proverbs thinks about wisdom. The book of Proverbs is actually not that interested in what we've got in our heads or in how clever we are. The book of Proverbs is much more interested in whether we're actually doing sensible things, whether we're actually living in ways that work, ways that make sense. So there's a great proverb that says, the one who trusts in his heart is a fool. The one who walks in wisdom will escape. There's a kind of lack of interest in, and certainly a lack of trust in kind of what's in your head. What matters is, in the book of Proverbs, is are you on good paths? Are you doing the kinds of things that work in this world? Uh, And the book of Proverbs says that that's because this world has a shape and a structure to it, which is what wisdom is about. Okay, so you've said that wisdom especially in proverbs has something to do with how the world is i'm going to read out a little bit from proverbs 8 and then maybe you can help us expand on that and understand what's the significance of this so this is proverbs 8 verses 22 through to 31 the lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old i was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be when there were no watery depths i was given birth when there were no springs overflowing with water before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence." rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Uh, What's the significance of that passage and others like it in Proverbs, perhaps, for understanding the relationship of wisdom and the world and human life? Well, there are no other passages exactly like that. This is an incredibly uh, beautiful and famous passage in in the book of Proverbs and in the Bible. And it's a poem about the role of wisdom in God's work of creation. 
I, I think what it is is a a kind of long poem about what Proverbs names elsewhere in much shorter form. So in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, uh, it says, um, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. And I think really Proverbs 8, 22 to 31, is a, is a poem about how God made the world by wisdom and what that means spoken from the perspective of wisdom. Wisdom is personified in Proverbs chapter 8. Um, she's personified as a woman and she speaks describing what she's like and uh, in that passage describing how she was involved in, in God's work of creation. Um, and I think it's, it's an incredibly important idea uh, in the Bible that God made the world by wisdom and that it was like this. It's an incredibly important idea because it tells us something deep and important about the world we live in. It tells us that this is a world made by wisdom, uh, that this is, this is a world in which and upon which the wisdom of God has been focused and has been at work uh, since the very beginning, since before anything was. Wisdom, God's wisdom is kind of the primal most basic reality of the universe. So what what does that mean? I mean, that's that's a kind of thought that if you're kind of living within the book of Proverbs is meant to shape your whole sense of how the world works. You know, you're meant to look out on the world and think, huh, this is a world made by the wisdom of God. And what that means amongst other things is that this is a world that is intrinsically kind of good for us. God's wisdom is not is not against human beings. Uh, God's, God's wisdom is for human beings. Elsewhere in Proverbs, she calls out to human beings in welcome, offering them life, offering us life and riches and success. And so what this poem is saying is that that benevolent, well-wishing character is, is basic to this world and to the universe we live in. This, this world is, is not fundamentally hostile to us. Now, that doesn't mean there's not other important things to say about the brokenness of the world, about all the evil in it. But the, the Bible begins, really, by saying that God made the world and he made it good. And what we learn in Proverbs here is part of what it means for this world to be good. And what it means is that this is a world that extends hospitality to us, that offers life to us. Uh, and that that reality is as basic as its atomic structure. If wisdom is in the world, built into the world by God, just something that we kind of have in ourselves, but rather work with as it's found in the world, does that mean that there are better and worse ways to live, wrong or right ways of doing things? And how should we think about that? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is yes, it does. And and really... Um, the book of Proverbs and lots of the Bible is is all about that. Um, yes, there are better and worse ways uh, in which to live, but the book of Proverbs sees that actually as profoundly obvious. And a lot of the book of Proverbs is concerned to kind of point out the obviousness of it. So the, the whole book of Proverbs begins with, after the little prologue, it begins with a, a passage in which parents, uh, a mother and a father, are giving advice to their teenage son, and uh, and 
not really advice, kind of they're really imploring their son. And, and what are they saying, right? It's not rocket science what they're saying. They're saying, please, please don't join a violent criminal gang because it'll kill you, right? They're saying, yeah, yeah, there's these guys, you got your mates, and they're saying, hey, come and join us. We're going to start robbing people and making money. And they say, don't do that. You'll end up dead in a ditch. At one level, the book of Proverbs just wants to say, look, it's as basic as this. There are ways of living that work and there are ways that don't. If you join a violent criminal gang, you mostly will end up dead in a ditch. If you sleep with someone else's wife, it mostly has terrible consequences. If you lie to people, it, it mostly comes back on you. And then it goes into great kind of detail. But a whole lot of what it's saying is, is, is at the kind of obvious level and, and inviting us to observe the fact that actually a lot of morality and a lot of the kind of questions we have about how we should live, a lot of them are not that complicated. The, the world and the human world kind of rewards certain behaviours and doesn't reward other behaviours. Now, of course, it does get more complicated in certain areas. And when you go down, you know, to difficult questions of ethics, of course, there's other things to say. But the, the basic picture is there are ways of living that work and there are ways that don't. And wisdom is about the ways that work. And it's about kind of holding on to and not letting go of the good ways, the ways that work. Now, one of the things just to add to that is that that might seem like kind of obvious and, and at one level, did we need a whole book of the Bible to teach us that? Um, sure. But the other thing the Bible shows us and that the book of Proverbs shows us is that, yeah, but the problem is we don't do it, right? The problem is even when it's obvious, we don't do it. You know, the, the son at the beginning, he has to be told, don't do this, don't join this gang. And there's real fear in the parent's voice that he's going to ignore that instruction. Um, and it's the same with lots of other things. There's this, there's this sense of frustration built into the book of Proverbs that, guys, it's, it's not rocket science, and yet you keep going the wrong way. So this is the kind of frustration of seeing somebody do something in the wrong way that we might see in all sorts of things when we know there's a better way and they persist in doing it the wrong way and it creates this sort of frustration. That frustration is is really represented in chapter one when when wisdom actually speaks. Her the first speech of wisdom in the book of Proverbs is a speech of frustration, and uh, the image is the wisdom by which God made the earth, the the wisdom in which the world is structured. It's kind of crying out in frustration, wringing its hands, saying, "What what are you doing?" But of course, it's not just saying. We're meant to read it as not just saying that about other people that we see, you know, foolish people. We're meant to read it as directed to us as well. This is, this is a, a frustration that we need to, to reckon with ourselves. Throughout Proverbs, there's this image of the way or the path. You pick this up in the title of your book, uh, Every Good Path. So would it be fair to talk about Proverbs and the idea of wisdom in relation to discerning paths? How do we think about this image of paths and ways that we find here? How, do you, how you just put it then is, is a good way of putting it in my view, that, that wisdom is about discerning paths and, and sometimes not even discerning, just, just recognising them and sticking to them. In my book, I talk about it as a kind of attunement to the good paths. And attunement is a, a musical metaphor. It means kind of keeping in tune with the good paths. I think 
Paul uses a similar image, the Apostle Paul in, in Ephesians, sorry, Galatians, where he talks about keeping in step with the Spirit, uh, walking in step with the Spirit. There's a, the, the metaphor is we're not carving out our own ways through this world. We're finding and recognizing and welcoming the good ways that are offered to us. Now, it'll be different for everybody. And of course, sometimes we do face situations in which we don't know which way there is to go and, and no way seems good. And sometimes we face situations in which what seems like a good way turns into a bad way. And all of that is in the book of Proverbs. But the basic image is one, I think, of wisdom has her, her paths and she invites us to follow them. Wisdom is a very practical thing in some sense of living right or living well in light of the nature of the world. Now, in our own context, we see rapidly advancing technology and skill and ingenuity increase in our practical capacity to do stuff. What's the relationship between skill or ingenuity and wisdom? I think that's a difficult question, but I do know a couple of things to say about it. So the first is that the skill involved in making things is not all there is to kind of practical wisdom, okay? And and we it, we don't just need the Bible to show us this. So Greek philosopher Aristotle, uh, when he talked about practical reasoning and practical knowledge, he distinguished between um, techne, the Greek word skill, and phronesis, uh, the Greek word you know for kind of practical intelligence, practical wisdom. Right. Um, and Aristotle thought that they were different things, that there was, there was the skill involved in making things and skills of in- ingenuity, and then there was the practical wisdom, the phronesis, that you needed in order to live well. And so one of the things to say is just to point out that human ingenuity and technical and technological competence doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to live well. Now, I mean, every IT professional and engineer knows this, but I'm not sure our culture knows it very well. Uh, there is another passage in the Bible that makes this point very explicitly, I think, which is the 28th chapter of the book of Job, uh, which is basically this long poem that can be summed up pretty easily. The whole first part of Job 28 is all about mining and how impressive the technologies of mining in his day are. Now, they're not impressive to us because they basically they basically consisted in a rope uh, kind of hanging down through a crack in the earth and, and people having a hammer and chipping out things. But in his day, you know, mining was just being invented. It was kind of cutting edge stuff. And the first part of the poem really revels in the kind of amazing human abilities that are on display here. We can compare it, I think, to the kind of incredible feats of engineering and technology that we, we have seen in, in the modern day, you know, mapping the genome the moon landing, you know, all sorts of things. But then the second half of Job 28 says, but where shall wisdom be found? And the whole second half of the poem is pointing out that actually we can do a lot of things. We know the way to the dark parts of the earth, but but we don't know the way to wisdom. And that's really making the same point, I think, that technological skill and ability can be great and interesting and amazing, but it's not wisdom. Technological prowess gives you no guarantee. Uh, that you're going to be able to really act well in the world. We've traced over the the concept of wisdom in a number of different ways there. In some of your stuff, you've used an illustration from 
a story called The Adventure of a Skier. Would you be able to have a go at summarizing what that story is and how it might be useful for giving us an image of wisdom? Yeah, I'd love to. So I came across that story just reading the New Yorker magazine. Uh, They published this story. It's by an Italian author called Italo Calvino. To summarize what happens, uh, it's a story about these awkward Italian adolescent boys in the lift queue to a tea bar uh, going up a ski slope. And they're, they're super awkward. He describes it beautifully that they're kind of stumbling and um, falling all over themselves and you know and it's and it's at the snow and so everything's even more awkward and then this girl skis past them up the hill on um, cross-country skis and she is incredibly graceful and beautiful and she just heads up the hill and they're all just amazed and and really the story kind of is about how one of these boys the boy in the green goggles he's called kind of tries to catch hold of this girl, not not literally, but he's just quite mesmerised by her and by her beauty and her kind of gracefulness. Tries to kind of catch hold of her and he follows her and he kind of talks to her a little bit and, and she seems to hold out this incredible promise of a way of moving through the world that is much more graceful than the one he knows. But he just can't, he can't quite grab hold of it. He can't quite make that his own she she disappears and he's kind of left stranded he's had this encounter with beauty and gracefulness but he he's also kind of missed out on it i don't want to give too much away well i've kind of given a lot away but that's that's the story and i think it's a i think it's a nice little parable for some of the things about wisdom in the book of proverbs Right. So at risk of giving too much away, uh, I might just read a little paragraph right from the end. Um, yeah, yeah. Read I think it. maybe yeah. maybe captures a sense of something like what wisdom is in Proverbs. So this is right from the end of the story. It says, There in the shapeless jumble of life was hidden a secret line, a harmony traceable only to the sky blue girl. And this was the miracle of her, that at every instant in the chaos of innumerable possible movements, she chose the only one that was right and clear and light and necessary, the only gesture that, among an infinity of wasted gestures, counted. Wisdom, as it appears in Proverbs, is something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think why that story grabbed my attention is because I think that is quite close to, although it's different, it's quite close to the way the book of Proverbs pictures wisdom. And wisdom is consistently personified in Proverbs as, as a kind of competent, graceful woman um, who moves through the world with a kind of deftness and uh, effectiveness that is very beautiful. And I think that's quite like what you see in this Calvino story. And that, that quote at the end is uh, beautifully catches hold of that. I mean, of course, in Proverbs, it's different, right? Because it's, it's a different kind of cultural world. But I think when you look at the, the poem about the strong and noble wife that finishes Proverbs in chapter 31, verses 10 and following, uh, it has this the same kind of feel of a kind of um, miraculously graceful presence in the world. God on the ground. This isn't just trivia. It makes a difference for how we think, how we live, and how we engage with God. So let's finish the episode talking about what this means on the ground in real life. So 
So we've covered this idea that wisdom is in the world. The fact that it's there doesn't mean that we always heed wisdom. Yeah. Let's turn now and try and tie this down into the practicalities of life. We encounter Proverbs as we read the book of Proverbs. I wonder if you could give us just a few tips on what Proverbs are and how they work for us, what they do when we read them. I think Proverbs are a kind of condensation of an insight into how the world works. I think that applies to the book, the book of Proverbs, but also to just all the Proverbs uh, we've been told and grow up with. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover, things like that. Right. They're a way of kind of taking a whole bunch of observation about the world and insight and, and, or perhaps a whole pattern of how things work and kind of condensing that into a short, pithy statement that is designed to make, to make you pause and notice something. That's what a proverb does, and that's what they're, that's why they're meant to be useful. But in the book of Proverbs, because of what we've just been saying, the proverbs are not just useful. They also point out the ways in which we've gone the wrong way. So nobody reads the book of Proverbs, or nobody hears Proverbs and just hears a, a description of their own life and how well they're living, right? Mostly when we hear a whole bunch of Proverbs, actually one of the things we hear is, one of the things we think is, oh, gee, I should remember that, or I haven't always done that, have I? Or it makes you stop and think mm-hmm. that that actually is an area in which I've been missing something. Um, that's certainly true for me when I read the book of Proverbs. And that's important, I think, because that's, and this is the other thing that appeals to me about Calvino's story, you see, that that's the other thing that happens in that story is that, as I said, the the boy in the green goggles, he, he, he can't quite get hold of this gracefulness that's offered to him, right? He can't, he can't quite make it his own. He's, he can see it, but then it slips from his grasp. And the book of Proverbs is like that. It, 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 sh- it, it shows us wisdom and, and we get presented with this figure, but it also seems kind of unattainable. You know, to, to, to start to move through the world in that kind of gracious graceful beautiful way where we 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 stop stuffing things up that just feels unattainable and that for me is actually a clue to the real the really most useful thing about the book of proverbs which is that by a kind of funny indirect route it becomes a kind of big signpost to jesus because when you take all that seriously one of the things you suddenly realize is but jesus wasn't like that Jesus did actually manage to move through the world in this way. He, he was a lot like wisdom. In fact, he talks of himself in those terms. In a way, he's like the sky blue girl in, in Calvino's story. Uh, he moves through the world in, in a way that is light and clear and right and necessary. He doesn't put a foot wrong. He speaks just the right words. He, he doesn't get angry in the wrong way. Um, he knows when to stay silent. He, he never treats people badly, but he treats them justly. He's got a remarkable kind of deftness and grace about him, unlike me, unlike us. Right. And, and that really brings home to me, at least, what a remarkable thing it was that he died in my place, uh, that that beautiful, wise one, gave himself for me he didn't just kind of 
ski off, leaving me there having glimpsed something beautiful but never able to have it. He didn't just disappear. He he stayed with me and gave himself in my place. I mean, that's the Christian story, that, that Christ became the friend of sinners and uh, stayed with us even unto death so that we might have life with him. And I think it's it's understanding Jesus as the, the one who was truly wise, who, who really got the good paths of wisdom, who really saw them and held to them, that makes me appreciate all the more what, what it is that he's, he's done for us. These Proverbs confront us with the signposts of the good paths and thus show us the way that we've not walked down them, but also point us to the one who has uh, and, and yet has died the fool's death on our behalf. Yeah. Listeners, don't leave it here. Why not go a bit deeper? If you really want the deep dive, Andrew's book, Every Good Path, brings all of this into conversation with some big thinkers over the course of about 250 pages. If you want more, but not that much more, I'll put some links in the show notes to a couple of great little articles that Andrew's written that explore some of these things. I'll also put in a link to the story we've talked about, The Adventure of a Skier by Italo Calvino. Go check that out as well. But for now, let me leave you with something to read and something to ponder. Why not read a chapter of Proverbs? Pick one almost at random, maybe chapter 15 or chapter 20 or something like that. As you read through, pick out a couple of those Proverbs that stand out to you and sit with them for a while. Let them slow you down, maybe memorize them. You could try to figure out what situations in life they apply to. But as you do that, that will, for most of us, expose our failure to follow wisdom's call. It'll give us reason to see Jesus more clearly and to love Jesus all the more for his wisdom and his mercy for us. That's it for today's show. Once again, a huge thanks to you, Andrew, for joining us. And thank you, everyone, for listening in to God on the Ground. Thank you, Alex. My pleasure.